From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live, like I just said. Uh, you might have heard some of this material before, but there's quite a bit of stuff that you haven't heard. It doesn't matter, but I just didn't want you to tune it out thinking that you'd heard it all already. We get into a lot of conversation here about, like, uh, I know Clint Eastwood came up. And uh, what was the other thing that I was going to mention to talk about some of the crime that's happening? And, you know, the virus. Oh, yeah, we talked about a little bit of a, uh, reminisce about Occupy Wall Street and talk about New York in general and how people here deal with the crime that's happening. Just want to say hello to you wherever you are in the world. Enjoy the show. Yeah, and, 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 and well, the glasses, the round glasses, too. That's, uh, yeah. Now, last time I saw you wearing glasses, I didn't. I don't remember them being quite like that. And they were plastic. I actually like those much better, but they broke. Uh, I went to Warby Parker, where uh, you get, for like 150 bucks, you get a pair of glasses, a glass and everything, and it's from uh, China. So, you know, slave labor, that's... Uh, uh, it has its advantages, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, now we're living through the disadvantage, you know, global pandemic. But. Uh, yeah, I did. Is that due to the slavery? You think, or is it is it more due to the fact that they wanted us to all have uh, coronavirus? If you're going to get a virus that's going to shut down the earth, it's most likely going to come, I believe, from a country that has a, a lot of slaves, as opposed to maybe a country that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess, you know, I'm not a professor on the matter. Well, the, the, of course, they're not official slaves. I believe they have actual slaves. I think really? China does have a very serious slave problem. Yeah. And this is not just based off the people in front of the UN with the, the signs and the red paint splattered all. Wait. Which one is it? Do they have plenty of slaves, or is there some sort of shortage? Hell, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, uh, they they still have them in Africa. Slaves. They still have slaves in a lot of places in the world. Middle East. They have slaves. Uh, you know, we we don't have any slavery here, though. Unless you listen to John McAfee, he says we're all slaves. No, yeah, I know. It sort of reminds me. I saw he he was on your on your uh, show. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Very interesting uh, person. Uh, I'm surprised that's not a big movie at his story. Yeah, right. I mean, there's a documentary, but I didn't bring it up. I didn't want to uh, confront him with what I'd heard, you know? Yeah, uh, but it's sort of like when you listen to the Unabomber, where it's sort of like, you know what? He, he's actually making some sense there, and the more sense he makes, the less you want to listen, because it's like, I don't think he's supposed to be making sense with what he's saying. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like the first time you read the Oklahoma City Bombers uh, you know, manifesto, and you're like, oh, shh. Oh, yeah, when he's talking about Waco and, and all that stuff, it's like, uh, the guy has a point, and then you realize, oh, he blew up children, you know? <laughs> it's like, wait, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, was, yeah. There's, you know, even a, even I. A, uh, what is it they say? A broken clock is right uh, twice a day. Well, actually, something I want to talk about because I just I, I'm always watching movies and looking to recommend movies. I just uh, finally had a chance to watch Clint Eastwood's last movie, Richard Jewell, and absolutely have to recommend it. I really love that movie about wow. the '96 wow. uh, bombing and what happened. Right. Yeah. Following that, where, where he found the bomb, ended up helping people, and then the FBI made him the the leading suspect, and the media you know, turned him into the, the biggest terrorist in the country and, and started to ruin his life. Uh, amazing movie. And, and I don't think Clint Eastwood gets enough credit uh, as a filmmaker. I mean, this is right up there with the best of Hitchcock. Really? Okay. That's now, uh, when did he get good at making movies? Do you think was he was he good from uh, from the beginning? I mean, he was an actor in the beginning, of course, doing uh, TV in the 50s. And then you know, like a lot of actors, he went over to Europe and he started doing the spaghetti westerns with uh, Sergio Leone. And those were the movies that really, uh, you know, made him famous. Uh, the the trilogy that he did with Sergio Leone, Fistful of Dollars for a Few Dollars More, The Bit, The Bad and the Ugly. Mm-hmm. And then he pretty much came mm-hmm. back 
to America and just started recreating what he was doing there. I mean, you look at his first Westerns uh, that he did here uh, and that he directed like uh, High Plains Drifter. It's pretty much, you know, him doing what he learned there and, and it's great movies. And over time, he sort of went away from that, you know, Italian Spanish style of Western filmmaking to a more American tradition. That's when you get into like the eighties with pale rider and unforgiven is it's an amazing movie. I love, I love unforgiven. You don't like it. I love it. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. His entire career. I mean, the, the, this is the same director that mystic river that did, you know, space cowboys, you know, any genre he touches, he, he, he does a great job. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think he gets enough credit because people know him as this sort of grizzled, dirty, hairy type character, but the guy, you know, regardless of how you define the word he's an artist yeah not that there's anything wrong with the dirty harry stuff that stuff's great too it's phenomenal, phenomenal. and, more, yeah. and more, you know more relevant now than ever i watched it about two months ago and i was like dirty harry is a great film where is he where's dirty harry yeah i don't know we don't uh yeah he got fired you know for for hate speech or something he has yeah. a block now <laughs> yeah a <laughs> queen's man allegedly hacked his mother to death with a meat cleaver yeah, anybody who hacks his mother to death with a meat cleaver can be all bad. Cops were called uh, to the seven-story Woodside apartment building early Saturday morning for the assault, for an assault. When they got there, it was a bit more than an assault. Uh, they found a trail of blood and followed it all the way up to the fourth-floor apartment of Carmelita Cabansang. Cabansang. Uh, well, when they knocked on the door, they were greeted by Cabansang's son. That's David Galicia. And he was covered in blood. His next moves were even creepier. After letting the police inside, Galicia apparently walked over to his mom's lifeless body and lay on top of her. Hmm. It's not that easy to lay on top of a body, you know? He's already covered with blood. Yeah, it, it seems like it's more of a production, I feel. I feel that's going for some attention there. That's just unnecessary. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's just a performative thing to try and get some sympathy. What have I done? Oh, and he lays on top of the body. Although... I don't know that that's the best way to garner sympathy, you know, from the police. I'm curious if this if this dude was wasn't in Queens, if it was somewhere out in the Midwest where where it's a lot less densely populated, would he be like Klemper, like a lot of these other serial killers? Because Klemper also, I think he killed his mom and wore her head as a hat or something. Well, there was that whole story. So the the mommy thing has some sort of a basis in that. Yeah, you know. Uh, it, it is an important relationship. And maybe if he was in the Midwest, he would have laid on top of uh, the mother's body before he killed her. Before? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, women first in the Midwest, you know, it's much more polite out there. <laughs> didn't he, uh, didn't Klemper rape? Uh, Kemper or Klemper? I think it's Klemper. Klemper. And uh, yeah, the, the only the only thing I know about him is from that stupid uh, FBI TV show about it. That's where I'm getting it also, which means I could be wrong with the name, but. Great actor that, that plays that guy. Mindhunter, yeah. Yeah, that guy's great. Especially when you when you look up the interviews of the actual guy, and he's exactly like that. And it's another thing where I said, you know, sometimes it's dangerous listening to people because I start listening to that guy, and I'm like, you know what? Sounds like a good time to hang out with this individual. He's very intelligent, well spoken. Yeah, good opinions on things. Yeah, yeah. He he seems like he's uh, realistic in the face of all the crazy shit that he did. He sounds like remarkably kind of, yes, I I killed her. And then I, you know, and and his speech is very, uh, it sounds smart, but dumb at the same time, kind of. I guess it's it's probably an affectation. I mean, that character uh, that goes with the young guy, the older FBI agent, I don't think he's grizzled enough, you know? He's just not, he's not gruff enough. The, The older guy? Yeah, he's not quite gruff enough for me. I don't know. My issue with the show, 
is, and this is with any TV show, which is why I don't like watching them, is because it starts off great, and it's not like a movie where there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. With a right. TV show, by design, it's, well, this, got, this has to be great so that we get picked up for another season, so we get picked up for another season, so we get picked up for another season. And if the person who started the show gets tired of it or bored, they leave, and then someone else just comes on board, and everyone okays it because they want to keep the Ferris wheel of money going. Sure. And then, and then it's what were you pretty much watching, you know, at that point, it's you're, not you're, an interesting story. You're, 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 you're clinging to the story in order to, uh, just cause I, I got so used to watching this out of habit. Did you see the, the television program V from like 2009, v? 2010? Is that though? No, I'm thinking of alien oh, yeah. nation. Cause oh, yeah. V was also an alien, right? It is. It's a, it's a, it's a bunch of aliens and it's, uh, Boy, it is possibly the best television series of all time. I don't like to overstate things, but I mean, it is, it's extraordinary. It, the acting is, is so wooden uh, on the part of the, the, the visitors, you know, and, and that's enjoyable, you know, to watch. And, you know, they just parked their ship right there in New York. It's like out over all the, you know, buildings and stuff. You're like, it's, that's not a good place to leave the mothership in front of Gallagher's 3000. Yeah. <laughs> Their fan belt was broken. <laughs> Remember those commercials? No. On Comedy Central, oh, like okay. one in the morning, uh, alien spacecraft flies past Gallagher's, the strip club 3000. Oh, okay. And they call her whatever the mothership and they're like, oh, fan belt's broken. And he lands and you see a bunch of aliens at a titty bar. Oh, that was the 90s. It was a good time. I'm talking to Valon Trubb here, filmmaker Valon Trubb, maker of The Dirty Kind, which you can get. Uh, where I know it's it's available in so many places. Is it uh, where's the where's the easiest place for people to get that? Amazon. If you if you prefer DVDs, uh, which I recommend because there's a fantastic audio right. commentary track featuring myself and Pat Dixon over here. That's right. Uh, but you can watch it yeah, on Amazon Prime. It's available in the UK and Amazon Prime on UK Film Channel. Uh, and it actually got picked up by a bunch of libraries here in the in the U.S. So if that's where you get your your movies at the library, check out your local library when you're allowed to again in 2035. Yeah, you know the libraries. I'm glad that you got picked up in libraries, and I hope you get a lot of people seeing your movie there, uh, the dirty kind. But I don't like libraries. I think that libraries should be bulldozed or just go ahead and convert them into homeless residences. I mean, they, they're there so much of the time it's anyway. New York City. I mean, what's the, what's the library? It's a homeless shelter. What's the subway? It's a homeless shelter. Yeah, we should keep the subways, though. They're, they actually have a purpose. The library really doesn't have much of a... What, what's there? You know, I mean, don't we all have the library on our phone now? Books? Well, I just order used books. I prefer actual books to read. Like, I like the paper, but I just get them used on eBay. Yeah, I mean, I don't need a new book. Take your library card and check out some books. I mean, I I, I, because if you're getting a book from the library, someone's been to the bathroom with that thing, and I I don't need that in my life. Yeah, but if you buy them used, you know, then those are some turdy pages too, probably. Just you just shattered some some glass in my head there, Pat. I didn't even think of that. Sorry about that. Well, at least it was one owner, most likely. <laughs> Not numerous people. Vigorous owner. <laughs> uh, paramedics uh, rushed this guy to uh, Elmer's hospital because he, he had stab wounds to his chest, this guy. Uh, and two knives were found uh, next to the mom's body, of course. So this uh, this Galicia guy, he, he just uh, he meat cleavered his, his, his mom, hacked her to death with a meat cleaver. I guess it's arguably the best possible weapon to hack somebody to death with, you know, since we are made of meat. Do you think this is because of the proximity of 
people being stuck at home, like a consequence of that. Cause there's a lot of consequences that people are, you know, aren't even thinking about. Uh, they said domestic violence is on the rise. So, so yeah. how much of this stuff is just the fact that people aren't able to sort of blow off steam and, and their inner serial killer and their murderer sort of cracks through. Well, wow. oh yeah, cracks through. So it's it's not as if he went from like saying well-adjusted son to uh, to this in, in uh, 30, 30 some odd days. But no, it's not like the pandemic made him a murderer, but it sort of facilitated. Yeah, it kind of it pushed it in that direction, and I I think quite a bit of it is actually due to that. I'd, I'd love to lay uh, that you know this isn't the first murder we've seen of a parent. A guy killed his dad uh, about a week ago in Brooklyn. Uh, and he said he ate his body parts. These are some particularly, you know, gruesome kind of uh, murders, you know, that people are doing on their on their folks. And, you know, I think uh, I think I think that I'd love to lay this at the feet of Bill de Blasio, you know, and and uh, Cuomo. And, and really, you know, the the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go on and on about it because we've talked quite a bit about it, but I just I don't see it as. Uh, entirely. I, I, come on. It's it's not. They're holding on to this thing for dear life. The last thing they want is for this virus to to you know to end enough to start businesses and shit back again. And and really, even when they do, it'll be a little bit at a time. And I don't know. It's it's too. Oh, much. it's gonna take it's gonna take a long time for us to to get back because it's gonna be a trickle back. And I think once there's going to be a big exodus from New York because once we do start getting back, people are gonna realize what we're getting back to. And I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I was born and raised in Queens. It, it's pretty shitty. I mean, <laughs> New York City's pretty shitty. It was doing well there for for a few decades. You know, nineties, oh. even September 11th it was a horrible tragedy. But the city itself, I feel, was in much better shape. Uh, and now, yeah. once they started reversing the broken uh, broken window policy, uh, the broken you know the the yeah. that originally were put in place by Giuliani and upheld by Bloomberg. I mean, New York started going in a direction that was so that we were so far removed from that people forgot. They forgot '80s New York, Taxi Driver. For them, it's just like a movie, but they don't realize, you know, it is possible to go outside and you're you're standing in the middle of a Hooverville. Yes, Hooverville. Yes, you're standing in the middle of a Hooverville. Yes, Hooverville. Yes, you're in the middle of a Hooverville. Yes, Hoover, Hoover. They don't Hoover, Hoover, Hooverville. They don't realize you're standing in the middle of a Hooverville. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, we may be facing that down by the time we come back out. I mean, there's really already a lot of weird hobos, you know, around and stuff. And the whole reversal, I think that it really kicked into high gear, you know, when de Blasio was elected, obviously. And when and, and post Eric Garner, I think I think Eric Garner helped uh, fuel a certain kind of outrage or whatever that they're just like they they truly did not like police and and yeah i mean of course de blasio ran on getting rid of 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 ending stop and frisk and he didn't you can't end it it's constitutional i mean like uh it's just something that you can do but he did i mean it was already he was ending something that was already reduced down to just very there were very few uh, stop question and frisks by the way it's stop question and frisk is the Take full the cities in the country considering that our population is you know the equivalent of many european nations yeah. safest cities in the country uh, which is insane if you think about 10 million people that we know about living in such close quarters to have such a low murder count, to have such low crime rates, it's wild. Yeah. Obviously, that's all going to go up. And and then what happens is people leave the city. And then what happens is the people who want to raise families, who want the policies that are 
you know, create good conditions for families aren't going to be voting in the city because they're not going to be living in the city anymore. Yeah. So, you know, what, what's sure. the future? And there's a certain number of people who just want to get to a different state, someplace where they, they feel it's a little more sane, especially the tax. The taxes are incredible. And so you pay a, a lot of money. You know, uh, so this guy, uh, like I said, the, he, his name's Galicia, right? His last name, he's a, they described him as emotionally disturbed, uh, did not immediately give a motive. He was arrested and he was taken to 108th Precinct Station House. And he uh, says here he allegedly admitted to the slaying. I mean, yeah, you're covered with blood, you're laying on her body. It's, you did it, you know, uh, it's, it's a shame. They should, I guess it's due process, you know, trial and all that kind of stuff, but they should take a guy like this and just go, well, okay, let's just take you somewhere, you know, put him in a room and then set fire to the room. Yeah. I mean, it would be a ballsy move if he didn't do it. it. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah. Maybe get off on that, hoping the cops, you know, said something wrong or, or did something wrong in their procedure, because a lot of times that does happen. Yeah. You're able to get a good enough lawyer. Uh, but no, this guy was, uh, that that was me. Charged with second degree murder, criminal possession of a weapon, and also criminal mischief. I wonder where the mischief comes in. What did he do that was mischievous? He laid on top of the body, Pat. That's is that mischievous? I guess it could be tampering with evidence. I I don't know. It's odd. Well, uh, you know, we'll we'll find uh, we'll find out what happens uh, later. Uh, you know, follow up on these stories gets to be kind of uh, kind of challenging, really. You know, because I guess a lot of things plead out and then. You know, we never really uh, end up finding out exactly, you know, what, uh, what happened. Now, uh, I'm curious, have you ever actually, any of these stories, have you ever actually gone to, to like Rikers or wherever? No, I haven't. I have not done that. I know I've had people, I've had ex-convicts on the show, but I have never gone to actually, you know, visit them in a jail. I, I really find it uh, kind of a, Kind of creepy to go to a to a jail. Oh, incredibly! But I'd love to do it. You know, my friend uh, has a uh, an ex girlfriend who's lot who's been in Rikers for a couple of years. Accused of she's connected to them, her husband, and I think she she planned it and instigated it and and got her cousin to do it. And and I wonder if she's out now because of the coronavirus. You know, a lot of people have been let out, and I doubt that she would be the type to reoffend. I mean, she only had one husband to kill, so I think she's done with crime for a while oh, what, what, what the hell was that story? yeah well you know she was she was pretty nuts apparently and uh and and, and strongly disliked her her uh, her husband <laughs> and wanted him to be dead and so she got her cousin who was uh devoted to her and and allegedly not especially smart but i think he might have been trying to you know get some sympathy or something but he cooperated and I, he's probably almost done with his sentence if if uh I mean, he, he's he's well into it. Uh, I, I know that. It took them a while to arrest her. She was a psychiatrist, I believe, and so was he. They were both they were both psycho psychological working in the psychological field. Because he sounds like an idiot cousin. Who's like, yeah, I'll do anything for you, cousin. You know. It's... I don't you wish you had a cousin like that? By the way, wouldn't that be great? 
just do anything for me. I would love that. I'd love to have a cousin living nearby. And it's like, hey, why don't you bring me some pancakes uh, and some fried chicken? Just I'll reimburse you someday. As long as they leave right afterwards. Yeah, I don't want to hang out <laughs> fucking eating pancakes and chicken with my cousin. That's yeah, I don't want to hang out said, fucking uh, eating pancakes, pancakes and chicken with my cousin. Pancakes for, for two. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> City car thieves are riding high amid the coronavirus crisis. Uh, as of April 19th, which is a special day, auto theft is up 63% in 2020. 63% with 1,913 stolen vehicles. It's, that's nearly 800 more. It's 700 some odd more during the same period in 2019. So it's uh, there's 1,913 stolen vehicles. There was 1,176 for the same period. So that is a considerable number for the year. It's up 63%. People are, uh, you know, inside. They're not driving. Well, even before know, that, they I don't mean, everything was on the rise, you know, there, there, there no bail laws. But my, my question is, I'm not surprised that a carjacking or a car theft is on the rise. I'm surprised that they're able to do it with the new technology. It's not like before where you could use like a coat hanger to just pop a lock, like with all these digital locks and all that stuff. How are they able to steal the cars? I, you know, that's a good question. I really don't know. I mean, I, I assume they, they have to adapt and, and learn, you know, new skills. And that's really what a lot of people don't appreciate about being a criminal is that you do have to continue your education, your criminal education. You bring up a great point because prisons are full of failed criminals because you know, to be a real professional criminal, it's about not getting caught and about not going to jail. Uh, and and the technology, it's it's pretty wild because like you could learn how to turn a coat hanger to pop a lock. It's all mechanical stuff. Where are they learning all this digital stuff? That's I don't know. I mean, like, like say know. I wanted to steal a car step by step. What would I need to do, Pat? Where can I get this information? That is something that I cannot tell you. And 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 they must do it with ease. I mean, it's not like they have a couple of hours to work on this necessarily. You know, what I mean, like they have to be able to do it. Quickly. My mom once had my grandfather's old Buick. Uh, what was it? Park Avenue. It oh, like wow. This 80s car. And it Very was nice. A piece of shit. So what happened was it was stolen. It was parked in front of our building, and it was stolen. And then the cops found that a few blocks away, it was such a piece of crap, they just abandoned it. <laughs> that Park Avenue, really? They just left the car. Yeah, Buick Park Avenue. And it was. It had like the old red velour seats that always smelled like vomit because someone vomited in the thing in like 1992. Yeah, and you just can't get that smell out. It was really that kind of like welcome back to the good old times kind of car. And. Uh, and they stole it and left it like three blocks away. Wow. Well, that's good. It's 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 uh, it's unappealing to people, and that's uh, I guess there's an advantage. It's probably because it smelled like puke. They're probably like, damn this car smells like puke. What's that thing you used to put on the steering wheel? So you come uh, like left turns or what? Hey, uh, the club. The club. Yes, the club. <laughs> what was that thing called? Shaped like a club that you put on the wheel. <laughs> Speaking of car theft, an opportunistic thief stole an NYPD lieutenant's car up in Harlem and then got caught in traffic on her way to the Bronx. Well, that's, you gotta, cont- what traffic? Are you kidding me? There's no traffic these days. I wouldn't have thought that would be a person. The Lieutenant got out of his car, at Madison Avenue and East 132nd street, about 11, 15 PM Saturday took off running after a suspect in a gun case. And then police sources. Uh, well, that's according to police sources. And it turned out he left his keys behind. Wow. Yeah, I guess you get in the heat of the moment and and you can leave your keys in your car accidentally. Lieutenant later told fellow officers he thought the keys tumbled out of his sweatshirt pocket. And that's when, uh, well, anyway, when he left the keys in, that's when 28-year-old Cassie Moses took his car for a ride, plowed into a captain's vehicle, then headed to the Madison Avenue Bridge, got stuck in traffic. They arrested this her. Is, it's 
considered a heftier crime to take a police officer's car than a civilian's car, correct? I would always do. Yes, it must be. Uh, you're interfering with a uh, governmental uh, some whatever, you know. And, and then also, if there's weapons in there, you know, then you've stolen those too, right? So you've stolen a police radio. and you, that, A vehicle like that, you can get into a lot of trouble with. What's the plan for stealing a cop car? Like it's one thing if you're like a professional criminal, it's like I gotta get me a cop car to sell. I got this buyer who's gonna use it, whatever. It's like a business. If you just happen to see a cop car with the keys in it and you're just jumping in there for a joyride, like what's the best positive possible outcome you can imagine for that situation? Best possible you can imagine is that you uh, shortly uh, jump out of the car and run away and don't get caught. So you get a story that's you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Serious yeah. jail time for. Hey, buddies, you'll never believe this. I drove two blocks in a cop car. I don't think that uh, she's risking serious jail time. I don't think. I don't think there's. I don't think there is serious jail time anymore. There should be for something. There like should this. be. Yeah. I mean, these days, not to introduce that into every conversation, but goddamn, you can get away with a lot of shit and not go to jail for very long here. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Well, so they're closing down Rikers. Oh yeah, they're, they're closing it down completely. Well, they wanted they want to develop it and make a bunch of money. I believe. I don't. I'm not sure who is going to be the uh, beneficiary of that. But whoever owns it, I, I'm not, uh, I guess it's easily discoverable. Uh, could be uh, people people who can influence the government, that's for sure, because I don't think that's the only reason they're dumping out the jail, though, Rikers. They want to close it down. I, I, it, it's on an island, okay? They want to take them off of the island where they're secluded, where they're, you know, there's a ceiling on how much damage they can do from there. They want to bring them out into the... Uh, you know, into the five boroughs, into neighborhoods, in their neighborhood, a jail, a jail. They want to build one right next to where I live. How do you feel about gardens? gardens? You must be all for it, right? Oh, I'm all for it. I'm looking for real estate outside of New York City. (laughs) I want to see this place go down like the Joker in the dark night. (laughs) I just want to watch it burn at this point. You're watching it. It's just in slow motion. It's it's a long form. It's almost like the people who want all this stuff for New York City don't live in New York City. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants it. I don't think any uh, of your standard issue people want to see more criminals walking around uh, in the street. Well, how do you define a criminal? How do you, how you define a criminal? Down on their luck, you know. And sometimes you need to steal that loaf of bread to feel your uh, to feed your family. Yeah. Well, that's true. And and sometimes you need to hack your mother to death with a meat cleaver, you know. So I guess. Uh, They've both committed a crime, but, you know, one is is to the benefit. It's because he's a loving dad, you know, and he uh, or a loving mom who who needs to uh, steal the bread. Yeah, I I get that you're being a little bit facetious here because that's the sort of criminal we don't see too much of here. The Oliver Twist type, you know, I was imagining Aladdin with a little capuchin monkey on his shoulder. Yeah, that type. too. Well, there's there are a lot of those. Uh, But now this let me give you, for instance, here, a repeat felon, a repeat felon pulled a stranger off a violent Brooklyn street, sexually assaulted her 10 days after he was released from Rikers. 57 year old Robert Poindexter hit the road, Jack. It's oh, it's Pondexter. That's interesting. P.O. on Pondexter. He allegedly attacked a 58 year old woman. Wow. This is like some uh, it's, at least it's an age appropriate sort of a sexual assault. You know, it was as she walked into East Flatbush. 5.30 a.m. on a Saturday. That's going to see. Now, that gets the day started off in such a bad way. He simulated a gun with his hands, by the way. Yeah, I've spoken with you about this before. I, I think it should be charged with uh, similar to like attempted murder or manslaughter, something along those lines. Uh, if you're penetrating another human being, 
yeah. you're, just, you're, you're changing them for life. It's something they're going to have to live with for life. Yeah, it's definitely a scarring experience. I mean, I'm not speaking from experience, but I have uh, met women who say uh, tell tell stories of being sexually assaulted. And, uh, you know, they, they, they mostly seemed okay. Uh, but, uh, I, I know that, that there's, there's, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you go into in a casual conversation. And, uh, also, you know, they, they, they mostly seemed okay. Uh, but, uh, I, I know that, that there's, there's, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you go into in a casual conversation. And, uh, also, you know, being penetrated, it brings it along, a number of other risks, I guess, too. Like, yeah, I mean, you could get all sorts of uh, venereal diseases. You could get pregnant if it's with a penis that he penetrates you. And if he penetrates you with like an object or or his fingers or something, you know, you just have that to deal with. What's under this guy's nails? Guy's nails. Yeah, are most rapes <laughs> uh, men the victims in this country? If you count like jail and stuff like that, well, why wouldn't it count it? You know, I mean, it's funny how like uh, the the attitude about people in jail sort of shifts depending on what you're talking about. I, I feel as if there's a certain kind of person who goes, "We need the jail reform, prison reform," and then you go, "There's a lot of rape in jail and they go yeah fuck them you're not going to count them yeah that's it's horrendous what's going on there's actually a great youtube documentary because i don't think there's any uh, other place where you can find that narrated by danny trejo that goes into that it's called turned out it's about the culture of like rape in prison where they're like actually it's not just about raping someone they're actually trying to turn these men out to, to yeah. turn them into their girlfriends they give them a woman's name and i think that's the maybe the biggest deterrent to going to jail like, if you knew you'd go to jail and there was no rape, you weren't going to get raped. You just go there. It's just a boring place where you have to, you know, read a lot of books you probably weren't going to read. And you have to do your time. I think a lot more people would be committing crimes. Yeah. Well, you'd be, you certainly have less dread of it. I don't want to be confined. I don't want to lose my freedom. But much more than that, I don't want to get raped. If, if you could make a million dollars and just do like two years in a box. And I get to keep the money? Yeah, and you get to keep the money versus you get a million dollars, but some guy's going to turn into a rag doll for a few years. You think about it differently. Not for 10 million at that point. See, that's what I'm saying. It becomes a whole different thing. I talked to uh, Dan Jenis about this. He did 10 years. He did a solid 10 years in several state facilities and, uh, and in Rikers. He said that similar to what you said it's a it's a turning out process they they will uh do a favor for this uh, they they take them under their wing seemingly you know and they work out together you know and then they just uh, sort of close in on them you know slow until they give, they it, give up. it up from somebody who did a lot of time this gangster he's passed away uh since but he said what happens is you go there and they leave like a candy bar on your pillow it's really like a hotel. You get there, there's like a candy bar on your pillow. Yeah. You think they're being nice. You know, they give you things, and the next thing you know, you're in debt. You know, oh, if you can't pay back that candy bar by next week, you slowly get into debt until, you know, you got to repay with freeze-dried coffee or your ass. Yeah, yeah. You know, on the one hand, I think, well, it is it is nice that romance isn't completely dead. But uh, on the other hand, you know, when you get there and there's a and there's a candy bar on your pillow, like fucker, I was eating candy bars yesterday. This is not this doesn't have a huge value to me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, just hoping for the fun size at that point. Uh, Pondexter, he served three state prison sentences for robberies. He confronted the woman on East New York Avenue near Troy Avenue. So I, uh, we know about that 
uh, area a little bit, grabbing her collar. What can you do for me? Ask not what this woman can do for you. But ask what <laughs> you and her can do together for the betterment of mankind. I want your money. I'm going to rape you. See, that's that's kind of fucked up because he, I want your money. I'm going to rape you. You don't. Oh, double whammy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Your money or your pussy. <laughs> hmm. I'm thinking it over. That's the best line of all time, probably. You know, Jack Benny. They said your money or your life. I'm thinking it over. <laughs> I, he, he was the one that uh, Johnny Carson imitated. You know, if you ever, if you ever watch him, it's uh, Jack Benny is such a a fun kind of comedian. Now uh, he's uh, served those three sentences. It doesn't say how long they were, but uh, he dragged the woman into a, a nearby school parking lot. Mm. Forced her to perform a sex act on him. I wonder what it was. He tried to rape her, but she was able to push him away with her legs. Women have strong well, legs. Wasn't no gun zone at that. No gun. No gun. <laughs> no gun. <laughs> he didn't have a gun. He simulated a gun with his hands. So, so it works. Yeah. So it works. It's fine. That law works. Yeah. Exactly. Have you ever tried to wrestle uh, with a lady and she wants to kick you with her legs? You know, I mean, I haven't done anything like this since since. God, I mean, my 20s, I guess, you know, where you would actually get into these little fun skirmishes and stuff. But they have, especially in New York now, I can imagine their legs. When you look at them, even an old lady, you see her walk by, you're like, damn, look at that. And she's like 80. They hold up and they do a lot of walking. They they go up a lot of stairs. Uh, they are, their their legs are, are, are in good shape. This lady's 58 years old and she can kick off a, a you know, a three-time convicted felon rapist. So good for her. He lives in Flatbush. He was nabbed near the scene of the crime and uh, hit with charges, including attempted rape, committing a criminal sex act, sex abuse, forcible touching, and, and drug possession. He had a crack pipe. It's funny, like, he got her to, he went through all the, you know, like, blow me and then I'm going to fuck you, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just like sex uh, otherwise, except not willing, I guess. I wonder, why, I guess if, if her mouth was between her legs, she wouldn't have even had to blow him. No one, no one has a window in this neighborhood, like, no one saw this happening outside yeah you know every time i see a rape outside i just shut the curtains man i don't even i mean there's a famous case that happened actually also not far from me in kew gardens kitty genovese right or something like that. yeah yeah where she was raped in broad daylight people were walking by like no one said anything and murdered yeah well it was supposed to be that was the case that ushered in the modern era of new york city on rereading it uh, and, and looking into it, this is a couple of years ago, so I don't remember a lot of the details, but our conclusion was that it's it's altogether possible she wasn't really heard by a large number of people. That was just kind of a, it's kind of the myth that makes it uh, fun. But uh, it, it's, it's like that kid, the milk carton kid, you know, who got <laughs> murdered and stuffed into a dumpster, uh, you know, when he was on his way to school, somebody offered him a drink, uh, like a cold drink, or he went in to buy a cold drink, and then that was the last thing he ever did. From, from the seventies, yeah. It actually the the Eton guy, Eton was yeah. A, a few years ago, they thought they got the guy or something happened about it. it was back in the news. Yeah, that that uh, sort of like a mentally a mental deficient kind of a Hispanic guy. The dad of the kid, Eton Paz's dad, believes that it was Ramos, who was this uh, this guy named Ramos, who had, had you know been convicted of this kind of shit before. Every year, he still sends him on the kids on the I think on the kid's birthday or on the anniversary of his murder, one or the other. But he sends him a picture of the, of the kid, and the, and Ramos looks like a guy who would fuck kids. 
You know what I mean? I look, yeah, right? just a white guy with dark hair uh, and a beard, little little round glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this guy, though, he allegedly uh, he he raped his crack dealer in December. Man, that I want some crack. What can you, I want some crack? I'm gonna rape you. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the dirty guy. Yeah. Yes. I told you someone jerks off on someone else is sort of like an intimidation thing. Unless you're a professional criminal, you don't think of this stuff, but it, it happens. They're they're very weird. Was crack dealer was a lady? Oh, lady crack dealer. Yeah. Get that. Women like can do it. She, uh, after going over, he went over to score drugs. He raped her, but the case was dismissed at the beginning of April after the victim refused to cooperate in the investigation. And now, after uh, those charges were dropped, and then a parole violation was subsequently lifted as well, and he got out April 15th. So he just got out, and he's like, man, I think I got to rape somebody. He raped his crack dealer, for Christ's sake, and, the, and the, she wouldn't cooperate. You know, that's a smart crack dealer because, first of all, you lose that crack business. I mean, like, why lock up a good customer? And then also, you, we don't know how long he's going to be gone for that. Although, uh, I mean, I'm sure that she didn't refuse to cooperate because she actually uh, enjoyed the experience or something. No, he's a crack dealer. You know, it's, she. Snitches get stitches. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, I guess you can't be too careful about this sort of thing. What do you think of, I used to love America's Most Wanted, and I think it's a shame it's it's not on the air anymore because it was very effective. Uh they should bring something like that back, but specifically for New York. I think you'd be a great host for it. New York's most wanted. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. People who, who have committed heinous crimes in New York actually show what they look like so that New Yorkers, if you see something, you can say something. And, you know, obviously you'd be making yourself a target in New York by uh, bringing attention to them. But it, it'd be worth it for possibly cleaning up our streets. I'll tell you something. I've got a target on my back already, man. That's... Uh... They 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 they're after me. They the the not the criminals either. It's, uh, <laughs> I can't even tell you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> bill collectors, all that kind of shit. Uh, there's an unusually high number of New Yorkers uh, contacted city health authorities over fears they had ingested bleach or other household cleaners in the 18 hours that followed President Trump's joking for that. Joke. Like, the guy or hate the guy. If you're drinking bleach, you're, you're a moron. Yeah, come on, man. I mean, like, hey. Who are you blaming? You're, you're blaming, uh, I mean, come on. It's, uh, I'm sorry, that just gets me frustrated when I hear stuff like that. Or the people who drink, what is it, aquarium cleaner or something? Hydrochlor, hydroxy, hydroxy chloroquine. So they say chemotherapy helps. You don't see people out there trying to lick plutonium. You know, it's, there's a difference between prescription medication and doctors and something and someone drinking, you know, Clorox or, or the fishbowl cleaner. I just think it's ridiculous. I licked some plutonium the other day. Was it the, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always, temp it's an, it's a constant temptation, you know, now an unusually high number. I, I don't know how many that is. We'll get into that in a second. Here's the part that bothers me about the story is that as they, they refer to as president Trump's bogus claim. I don't believe that you could go so far as to say that, that it's a bogus claim. It, it, it's, uh, look, I mean, fake news, whatever, blah, blah. But Jesus Christ, when they bend words like that, it drives me nuts. Let's say the president did go out and say, you know, I, I, I try to avoid most new stuff lately because uh, I just find it boring. I'm pretty sure the president didn't say drink bleach. But even if the president did say, you know, they're doing studies that maybe bleach can help with this. You know, the, whatever the properties of bleach, you know, or whatever can help with this. It's all scientifically administered and all that stuff. You're at a doctor. Why would you not consult with a doctor before drinking Clorox? Because you're a fucking dumbass, you know? I mean, and it, I doubt these were Trump supporters that did it because they're 
basically aren't any that would be dumb enough to do that. And there are very few in New York City to begin with. So I don't believe that they were supporters. And I don't even know that they are proven to have coronavirus, these people. So they're trying to cure something that they may or may not have. I, honest to God, don't believe this is a true story. I just yeah, that's don't. what I'm saying. It's you drinking some Clorox and, and it's a headline. Well, I mean, I don't know how many it is. This is an unusually high number. I would think one would even be a, a high number. What's an unusually high number? Ten people tweet something. It's a news article. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's enough for a trend piece. It says the Poison Control Center. Uh, managed a total of 30 cases of possible exposure to disinfectants between 9 p.m. Thursday and 3 p.m. Friday. And uh, none of the people who reached out died or required hospitalization, which is worth pointing out. If they're reaching out to find out about it, then their concerns are, you know, they... Yeah, if, if you don't need hospitalization for drinking bleach, that means you didn't drink bleach. <laughs> <laughs> Say, yeah. yeah, essentially, yeah. Now, it says uh, compared to last year, now the number of cases was worthy of a double take. It says according to data... Uh, see, last year it was only 13 similar cases. So how many additional cases is that? Looks like, uh, what, uh, 17? Why they doubled. Oof. They more than doubled. That's, uh, come on now. Come on now. According to the data, that's what it says. Now, moreover, one of the cases reported between Thursday and Friday, uh, out of those, nine were specifically about possible exposure to Lysol. Ten were in regard to bleach, and eleven about household cleaners in general. I don't know what I drank. I just drank some household cleaners in general. Uh, you know, I, I wonder day to day, really. I mean, if you have to go back to last year, maybe instances of people drinking household cleaners has gone up every single day. There was a program called Bear when I was in elementary. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. They taught you don't huff on anything that you find under the sink. All right, the kitchen sink. We got a T-shirt and the certificate for 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 completing that course. <laughs> if these people are, are sniffing on Lysol, you know what? Drinking it. What what are what else are they really contributing? Did anybody inject it? Because it says because it says that what he what they claim Trump said he suggested doctors may be able to cure coronavirus by injecting disinfectants like bleach directly into the lungs of their patients. Did anybody do that? Because if that's his bogus claim, which, by the way, they, they, that's considerably watered down and it's suggested that they may be able to cure it rather than his bogus claim that, that it would cure it. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't die serious. If anybody injected it into their lungs, I would say, OK, you know, um, that's still not the president's fault. But Jesus fucking Christ, I, I can't I don't even I can't put it together that somebody who cares enough about politics and, and current events and health and stuff like that who's watching the daily briefings <laughs> it's like wow did you hear that uh i guess i'll go drink some bleach you know what i mean I, I, it just is, it seems like it'd be a small venn diagram that would include both of those people how many people regularly refuse to take traditional medicine live off of homeopathic medicine don't want to take vaccines how many chinese people are there in this town uh I don't. I'm not. I'm not pro vaccine at this point. I don't trust it. I. I, I really don't. I. I, I, I hate I, I, to I, I, the coronavirus vaccine. The coronavirus vaccine. I don't trust. I don't. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take it. I don't want to be vaccinated for it. I would rather die of coronavirus or take my chances with that anyway. I think they don't know anything. I've spoken to doctors who've admitted they don't know anything, and not in a bad way. It's not saying insultingly. It's just fact. No one knows what this is. They don't know. Uh, I know someone who was at the hospital with pneumonia in both lungs. He got checked out and they gave him some shots to give himself in the stomach, which I think is absurd. Like, isn't that what the hospital is for? If, if 
you know, if they told me you got to go home and give yourself shots in the stomach, I'd say this, this isn't going to end well. I would say, yeah. uh, those would be shots that I never did get. Yeah. And, and they just don't know. So, I mean, who even knows what percentage of the population has it and, you know, is just immune to it or asymptomatic. We don't know anything yet. My problem, and this is why I always have a problem with government is I, I understand the, the lockdown and what's happening in New York. Take that time to figure things out, come up with a plan. And like always, there's no plan. It's like, okay, we locked everything down. And now it's just like, okay, things, excuse me, things keep going. Things keep going. Well, what is the plan? You know what, what is the solution? Because obviously this, isn't sustainable don't you think no it's not sustainable and but don't you think though and there never is a plan but what fucking plan do you need i mean everybody go back to work i mean i understand you know like if you own a business you can open it now if you work at a place you know you can go back to work when your employer calls you and like figure out okay people who are most at risk above a certain age pre-existing conditions figure out something you know I mean, look at who, look at who, who gets killed the most, and say you are the people that you keep doing what you're doing. Now, everybody else, you can go back to work, and uh, it's it, it would take ten seconds to come up with a plan. I mean, but they haven't. They, they want to say like, okay, well, we're putting together a plan, and then they can wait another two weeks. It's all about like, you know, I feel like the government, the city and state government, right now is like your girlfriend or wife getting ready to go, you know, and you are ready to go. And you just and she's like, uh, well, uh, yeah, a couple minutes, you know, whatever. She's not going to leave, and she's not going to be ready to leave until you're furious. That's that's what happens. I think there has never been a more accurate portrayal of the government than Frank's <laughs> love. <laughs> I really think it's just a circular table full of people yelling at each other. I really yeah, believe yeah. that's what it is. And three of them are Peter Sellers. That's that's the problem. Uh, Three of them are Donald Rumsfeld right now. I actually <laughs> want to be in that room. Is Rumsfeld still alive? I don't know, but he said some of the most brilliant things. And again, I don't say that insultingly. I I always quoted uh, the unknown, unknown, uh, and the known unknowns, and then that whole thing. People thought he was out of his mind, but he was just talking about literally just that. You know, let's not pretend like we know what's happening. Let's let's brace for what we don't know, and let's assume there's things we can brace for because we don't even know what we don't know yeah it's uh you're right you're actually right known unknowns and all that stuff it makes sense it's just uh it's it's just easy to mock and so that's what that's what happened but you know rumsfeld was a genius at press conferences i he, he really was i mean we saw a lot of him in that era because we were constantly at war they would ask a question and he would and he would ask himself a series of questions you know and answer those he preferred his own questions you know i think he might have pioneered that oh genius it's one of those things where you know his friends are standing behind the curtain and they're just laughing yeah <laughs> guys watch this shit <laughs> I love it. There's other countries, too, besides uh, Australia that have been, you know, geez, uh, pretty uh, pretty good about listening. Uh, although, well, you know, Canada, for instance, you know, a lot of Canadians there listening, and mostly in Ontario. So I want to say hello to Ontario. Good people there. From what I understand, Ontario is, uh, hell, one of the nicest places on earth to live. It's very close to the United States, by the way. So uh, I want to talk to you, Ontario individuals, momentarily. It's uh, a province, which is a word we don't really have here for places. 
uh, one of 13 there. We have 13 provinces. I recently found out that we have a state, California, that is more populous than your entire country. And you probably hear, you know, braggadocious uh, Americans enough. You know, I don't want to, uh, you go, no more. Look, most people who don't live in California are not big fans of it, which is weird because they have Hollywood there. And you think a lot of people, but they think California sucks in general. Now, I like uh, some things about it, but, you know, if, if I had, <coughs> if I had dominion over California, it would be very different. Now, it's, uh, oh, you're, you're the most populous, by the way, Ontario. You've got almost, uh, we got over 38% of the, of the country's population. Again, second largest in total area, too. So that makes sense. Fourth largest jurisdiction in total area uh, when the territories of the Northwest Territories and the Nunavut the hell is the Nunavut? You learn so much. Uh, it's Ottawa being the most populous city and Toronto, which is Ontario's provincial capital. So hello, people in Toronto. Hello, people in Ottawa. And hello to the Nunavut. Let me see. There must be some interesting things about, uh, about your province here. Thinly populated Canadian Shield. That's in the northwestern and central portions there. Comprises over half the land area, but it's thinly populated. So it must be, you know, your natural splendor there that has not been ruined yet. Also, uh, no agriculture is, is supported there by the land, rich in minerals. So uh, that, you know, that's got to, I'm, I'm looking at a photo now of that area of the Canadian Shield. Beautiful. Beautiful, though, the the, uh, Elizabeth II Wildlands Provincial Park right there in central Ontario. And uh, just just gorgeous. Southern Ontario, it's it's got four regions, too. And uh, there's a completely unpopulated area there, the Hudson Bay Lowlands, extreme north and northeast. We see we think it's cold in Michigan. So, you know, I can't even imagine what it must be like in the mainly swampy and sparsely forested Hudson Bay lowlands. Can't even live there. There's probably um, some sort of person there, though. Maybe somebody with a past. Absence of any mountains, mountainous terrain in, in the province there. Sorry about that. But you know what? Mountains are overrated. I don't care what my friend Alex says over in uh, Colorado. He's always talking about his mountain view. I don't Big deal. I don't need a mountain view. Neither do you guys. A lot of uplands there, particularly within the Canadian Shield. Uh, they're spending a lot of time here on the, uh, the topography. How about that? Evolution of the terrain, the economy. Well, Ontario is Canada's leading manufacturing province. Good for you guys. I hope that you are, if you're not still working, that you're back to work very soon. 52% of the total national manufacturing shipments uh, at, at one point this century. Oh, my God. I guess this is not the kind of thing you update with any regularity, huh? No, not you personally. Let's see. First slogan to appear on license plates in Ontario was, Keep it beautiful. And that was replaced by yours to discover... Apparently, just that was inspired by the uh, tourism slogan "Discover Ontario." When that goes all the way back to 1927, 
the French equivalent, Tante, who cares, uh, made available for the public in May of 2008. <sighs> Jesus Christ. A new song replaced A Place to Stand. It used to be... <laughs> So the song that used to be uh, the Ontario song, I suppose, was A Place to Stand for four decades. A Place to Stand was your song. Wow, what a gr- that is a very supportable claim. That is something you're walking on firm ground there. Well, you're not you're walking on it and you're standing on it. I guess we got all that we needed to get out of that. By the way, um, uh, I give you now a place to stand. A land of lakes and a land of snow. You listen to that for 40 years. Wow. That is endurance. Uh, I, look, that is a beautiful song. I, I, a place to stand. That's all you're asking for here. That was recorded, by the way, that particular one. 1967. Uh, the production gives it away, too. A place to stand, a place to grow, a Ontario. Ontario. But there's nothing like a heaping bowl in the morning of delicious and nutritious Ontarios. You know, that's a nice song. The The song we have in this country, the Star Spangled Banner, is all about war and bombs and shit. Bombs bursting in air and uh, all that shit. You guys are talking about give us a place of peace. You know, I, that's it, nice. A place to stand, a place to... And give us a place to stand and grow. Okay, well, some quick uh, statistics here. Uh, rapes are down, my friend. Uh, by 59%. It's uh, difficult to rape people who are not out and about. And uh, that I think most uh, most rapes do occur outdoors, you know, at least if we're talking about, you know, there's not any bushes in any apartments, really, usually. So if you're going to jump out of the bushes, you have to be outdoors. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, the to be typical jump out of the bushes rape. All these other rapes that supposedly go un- unreported, I always wonder how they know that. You know, how do you know there's so many rapes that don't get reported? How, how could you possibly know? Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of unreported rapes happening in jail right now. <laughs> <laughs> they don't cooperate. Me? Hell no. No, 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 no. I no, ran no. that place. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, robberies are up by 47. Per, uh, by, four, by 47, rather. Okay, uh, did I say rapes were down by... They were down by... They're down by 37.3%. My bad. Now, uh, 
robberies are down are up actually you gotta excuse me i don't know what's going on they're up by 5.3 percent assaults are down and uh by 7.1 how many assaults so far this year 1546 that uh actually got you know went all the way burglaries are up by nearly uh, by over a quarter and uh grand larceny's down now the you know these are the index crimes Crime down 4.2% as of the end of March. So I don't know about those numbers. All I know is I love the Citizen app because I'm always hearing that sort of ding go off and, and see what's happening in the neighborhood. Oh. And there's just things I'm seeing on there over the last few years that just the years before it, I'd never see. You know, it's like just today, it's, you watch it, okay, someone with a knife two blocks away, you know, half an hour later, you check it, two women fighting across the street, fist fighting. It's like, what the hell is going on? You check it again, guy with a knife outside your door. (laughs) (laughs) It's become a less civil society New York City has. It's become less, I mean, really, for all his, uh, you know, mock-worthy bullshit that he did and and connection to the world government and all that kind of stuff, Bloomberg, man, you know, he did let law enforcement do its job. I have, I mean, obviously I have some complaints with him. But I was surprised. You remember the whole uh, Occupy Wall Street thing. I was surprised he handled that thing the way he did based on the way he handled all the other crime in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he handled it with like, very gingerly. Yeah, he let him stay there. It started to get cold. And and it wasn't a public park either. That was what people don't really realize. It's a yeah. private park. It was private property. Owned by the Zuccottis, I guess, or somebody. But uh, it, it, it is a, a private park. And they were starting to give him some shit. I guess they, they most likely were, were telling him, look, we got to clean this fucking park, you know? Well, and, there was a lot of crime happening within that park. I know people used to go there to buy drugs. There was rape happening within there, and they refused to let police investigate anything in there. They wanted to be their own police. They tried to create like their own little city-state in there, except they're all incredibly incompetent. Remember that human megaphone thing where someone would say something, and then they would all just keep repeating it and make it louder so that it would be like a human megaphone, yeah. except – you know, it's the 20, 21st century, you know, we have megaphones. So it's. (laughs) Yeah. And and you're right. And they repeat it. And there's, it really does show you what, what lemmings they are, you know, something about repeating something you were just told to say. It's how every cult story begins. Yeah, exactly. And, and all that uh, Bloomberg did was say, look, we got to clean the park. So uh, they, he sent officers in, in the middle of the night, he goes, we're cleaning, you can come back, but you can't bring any sleeping bags, tents, shit like that. Those days are over. But, uh, you know, yeah, we have, to, we have to clean it up. And it was I'm sure it was a fucking wreck. Uh, they would throw batteries uh, at the cops and stuff like that. And they, 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 there, was, there were rapes, like you said. There was uh, plenty of crime. I also date the beginning of, of uh, this era of increased crime to that to, to occupy Wall Street because a lot of people came from around the country and the world and once they got here they just said oh, fuck it I'm here so they stayed and and you know a lot of um, what 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 I would classify as pieces of shit yeah that uh, was a turning point for New York that was, that was just such an embarrassment because it wasn't even you know I, I understand they had legitimate gripes like I'm, I'm not totally going to be blind to the fact that there are legitimate gripes you know like corporate I mean obviously what's happening with China and all that it comes from you know the manufacturing and everything happening overseas so i do understand their gripes i just think they're so stupid that instead of thinking one step further they just threw a wild tantrum and said because you know there's some injustices going on because there's 
issues going on that need legislation. Yeah. And if they hadn't, uh, if they would have thought it one step ahead, then they nobody would have been into it. You know, that's that's what they liked about it. Like, oh, wow, just come down there and party. That's great. I mean, like you say, you understand their concerns. I don't think they did. No, I think they understood that life's not fair. I don't think they understood, you know, the complexities of why it might not be fair. Yeah, they thought they could fix it by camping in somebody's park. Fix it. We're all going to die. There's the fix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang in there. It, it'll it'll get better eventually. All right. Well, hey, Valon, thanks so much for hanging out. I appreciate it. And also, uh, I, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to check out crimereport.nyc. Did you happen to watch, by the way, Valon, that short, uh, that link, that uh, muck short film that I sang? Did you get a chance to see that? Yet? I actually knew about that before because it's all on IMDb. So I always do my research. Oh, really? You do, really? Keep your finger on the pulse pad, you know? That's how it is. But you don't have to to prove me your acting. What was it I described as? I thought you would have made a great Vince Scully. Like, you have that voice. It's obvious you don't come from New York. There's a, a certain way that you speak that has character to it. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. Take it as a compliment. But I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to sell you on my acting. I'm trying to, you know, give you a way to enjoy a few minutes of it. You know, I mean, I'm playing a comedian who is, uh, who's had moderate success and is sort of bottom feeding for uh, females at open mics. And I thought, I, you know what? I've never met anybody like that. I can't imagine such a person, but I think, uh, yeah, I'll try. You know, I'll try to play this role. And uh, uh, lo and behold, uh, it, it, it clicked. Muck short film. I'll put a link to that on crimereport.nyc too. Yeah, everybody watch yeah. it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Pat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have footage of you on a project. We're still working on it. Got a little delayed because of some things, but. Uh, oh my God, it did, didn't it? What the fuck? I finished what I started. And I, I, every once in a while, I'll just go back and rewatch uh, the, the interviews we did take because I, I just find them fascinating. Uh, incredibly intense. Uh, I had a chance to interview Pat. Uh, for a project we're doing and you really came looking to look into yourself and, and it, it made for some very interesting conversations so I'm looking forward to the, the audience getting getting the chance to see that let's do this again soon okay not so long oh, we'll talk to you then and thank you guys for, for listening there's no better place to stand and grow than on Terry Ariario. Thanks for listening there, and thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.